it's nice it's nice to have a show that's on ice the knicks lost game one their playoff hopes might be on ice now the mets need some ice for all the injuries they've got it's downtown sports i am the mouth of the south john shivoni along with my co-host the beast of the east jonathan periente this is downtown sports this is where sports come home I was supposed to feel a lot more celebratory today, but I'm not, I'm not today. I'm not celebratory at all, at least not completely, but we don't want to start off the show on a negative note. We just don't. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk a little bit of NHL to start off the show. It is playoff time. The ice capades are going on and um, let's get this clock started. Beast? Yep. Let's just quickly go through the three series that have um, unceremoniously ended in, you know, quick, nearly unwatchable fashion. Beast, taken away. Well, let's start with the first one that ended in a blink. That was the Avalanche and the St. Louis Blues. We knew the Avalanche were a prolific offensive hockey team. We knew how good they were. We didn't know how good they were going to be in the playoffs, but if you're the recently crown champion St. Louis Blues, you got a uh, firsthand taste of what the Avalanche could possibly do for the rest of these playoffs, as the Blues were decimated in four consecutive games. And I don't mean they lost maybe a, you know, maybe they lose a couple of uh, 2-1 games here and there. No, no, no. They lost 6-3, 4-2, maybe 3-0-ish games. They were single-handedly blown out. Let's be very fair. So the Blues are going home. The Avalanche easily proceed to the next round. And a possible incredible date with destiny could be set on the line for them in the next round. We'll see where that baby goes. The next one, this is a pretty shocking elimination for my taste as well. The Boston Bruins in five games obliterate the Washington Capitals. Who could have possibly seen this coming? I mean, Capitals, Alex Ovechkin, right? You know, this is prolific offensive team, Backstrom. Tom Wilson with his evil hard hitting thought, you know, the Capitals were going to make this a tighter series than it was. Zadino Chara was supposed to give all of the blueprints for Boston. Yeah, he was, he was supposed to be in that, in that. Playbook. He joined the Capitals did Chara. That's the, the former part. Bruins captain. So basically the Capitals had a cheat sheet and they still couldn't win home ice advantage and a cheat sheet. Good job, Washington. And the Good Bruins job. made very quick work of the Capitals. Tuka Rask, brilliant in the net. Great scoring on the Bruins' end, getting key goals from Pasternak, Grizzlich. Just great hard hitting from Brad Marchand. They have a built team, a team that focuses on team-based hockey. They can turn their defense into offense. They don't give you many scoring opportunities. So if you're Coach Cassidy, you really have to like how quickly the Bruins disposed of the Capitals. And you know, first all right, the best team in the best team in that division all year long. Yeah. So that's a big one now. So the Bruins get a little rest. They move on to the next round. Possibly could very much see the Islanders, perhaps, maybe the Penguins, perhaps. Should set the stage for a very interesting matchup in that round. Now we go to the last game. 
And it was the last game of the night last night, the Winnipeg Jets and the Edmonton Oilers. And I feel so bad if you're an Edmonton Oilers fan right now. You blew game three. You were up 4-1 and going into the third period. Oilers blew it in the third. Winnipeg came back to beat them in the third in the third game in overtime. Okay, now you go to game four. And in triple overtime, the fate of the Edmonton Oilers season was sealed. They got swept in four games. Then, After that, Wayne Gretzky, then, the vice yep. chairman, had is leaving. He's going back to TNT as an analyst. He said, screw this. Triple overtime? Screw you guys. I'm going to go make a bunch more money as an analyst on TNT. I'm going to become the new Tony Dungy for hockey. Meanwhile, you guys could all go slip in your own oil slick. Is pretty much what he just told the city of Edmonton, the city that made him famous, the city that made him a household name. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. That was when he went and became an L.A. king. Well, that's when he uh, became a household. Yeah. And yet and yet the Oilers is where Wayne Gretzky began and spent the first chunk of his career. Right. Mark Messier, you know, uh, they beat the Islanders, I recall, to to win the Stanley Cup. Mm -hmm. Uh, That ring a few bells, uh, folks. How does it feel to be used as Wayne Gretzky's stepping stone twice, Edmonton? How does it feel? I don't know because I'd feel very angry. I'd feel extremely angry if me as a city in a country uh, that my star used me as a stepping stone, not just once, but twice, because now since he had that position, they're going to instantly hire him to be an analyst for anything hockey because he now knows the ins and outs of the Scotia North little league bubble we've got going on here. If this happens to continue into next year. So that wraps up the playoff series that were unceremoniously ended way too early with very little effort on the part of the losing teams. And now we have the remaining series that are all now getting into pivotal game sixes and possibly we could maybe see a game seven, a few of them, who knows, maybe even all of them. Islanders are up three games to two over the Penguins right now. That's the sixth game. Uh, did not look good for the Islanders early. They fell behind in the series 2-1. Uh, Barlamov was playing the first couple of those losses and did not Sorokin. look good. And now Barry Trotz decides I'm putting Sorokin back in the net. And the Islanders have won every game that Sorokin's played. You got to play the hot hand. You got to play whatever goalie's hot. The second Sorokin loses, put in Verlamov. That's fine. But if Sorokin keeps winning... Or let's say Sorokin has a loss, but he gives up like a goal or two goals in the loss. You keep, you him, keep in him in there. The second Sorokin goes cold, put Verlamov. If he gives up like a four-goal game, put in Verlamov. That's fine. We have, seen, we have seen the Islanders score very situational and very, uh, well, I guess what's the word? Timely goals, if you will. They've scored Clutch a couple. would be the word. Huh? Yeah. Clutch, Clutch goals. would be the word. Yeah. Anthony Bavillier is one I would like to name. Scored a key goal in that. Last game, 1905 into the first period. Islanders could have easily been down one nothing going into the second period. They rallied back against the Penguins there. You have Wallstrom, who's been a great find for this Islanders team. Become a key piece on their defense and very much has been a key piece on their offense. Sezikis, Mayfield, the rest of that Islanders offense just finds ways to win in the defensive style they play to the way Barry Trotz wants them to play makes the Islanders a very prolific threat. And they were on the stage a year ago. Don't forget that. Yep. Don't. The Let's same not. Team from last year. 
Remember, remember, remember the words of Penny. Barry Trotz is the best coach in NHL history. By the way, what else uh, Mr. Trotz does so, so well? He blocks off traditional shooting lanes. What does Sidney Crosby rely upon? Traditional shooting lanes. So when you have a goalie like Verlamov, who is very skilled at blocking the traditional shots from traditional angles, when a team that's as prolific offensively as the Penguins come at you, you have to be able to adapt to a team like that. Maybe Sorokin isn't the goaltender for the entire series of the playoffs. His skill set might just specifically match what the Penguins and what Sidney Crosby are trying to do. Maybe against a team like the Bruins, a goalie like Verlamov, who is good in the trenches and good when people are coming up close and having to make close saves. Maybe maybe he's better against a team like the Bruins, another grinded out type team. But a team that's fast, Sorokin needs to have fast gloves and fast sticks. And Verlamov's stick and glove are not as fast as Sorokin's. He's a bigger presence at the net, but he's definitely not as fast. You need speed and agility to defend against the Penguins. And it's important to carry two goaltenders. We've seen teams that had to rely on two goaltenders sometimes throughout the course of a playoff series like this. I mean, look what happened when the Blackhawks won their won their couple of, cu- of cups. Mm-hmm. There were times where their first goalie didn't do good, and then Crawford stepped up, and eventually he became the guy. But they yeah. had to sometimes balance it out. They didn't have Crawford at the beginning of their run, and then the second half of that run, then they did get him. And then you look at what happened with, as I said, the Islanders could really do this now with Varlamov possibly and with Sorokin, very yeah. possibly. You could have Sorokin play this series. Maybe you go back to Varlamov in the next series, and if things get off to a bad start, you go back to Sorokin again. Yeah, Red Wings did this when they had Chris Osgood and Dominic Hasek. Same thing happened there. So this is a very, this will be a very interesting road. If the Islanders can kind of maintain this system, there's no doubt about it. They're going to be a a really big threat. Verlamov's going to get his chance because, like I said, he's a bigger presence in the net than Sorokin is, but he's just not as fast as Sorokin. Sorokin's speed is what's going to help him get to these weird angles that the Penguins are coming at the Islanders with. However, if, if teams keep attacking the Islanders in the same way that the Penguins are, expect to see Sorokin behind the net. Hopefully he doesn't tire out. That's when you start to worry about Ken Verlamov hold up. Let's go to the next series, and uh, we're going to go out west. The Minnesota Wild and the Vegas Golden Knights. That's been another very interesting series. Early on, it didn't look good for the Wild. They took the first game. Okay. Then the Golden Knights took the next three. We're up 3-1. I was already getting ready to write off the Wild. Give the Wild credit. They came back in game five. They kept things going for at least another game. First time, by the way, the Vegas Knights have ever lost a playoff game at home in their franchise's short history. The Wild are a experienced team in the postseason. They've uh, been in first and second rounds. They know how to play these games. They know how to win these games. This wasn't going to be an easy series for the Golden Knights. Here's the thing. The Golden Knights are not as defensively sound as the Avalanche are. Mm. They're not as sound at the net as the Avalanche are. The funny part was in their loss yesterday, the Golden Knights only surrendered 13 shots on goal for the whole game. And still... Flurry gave up three goals. That, that there's all you need to know. Flurry was the reason that Crosby doesn't have more cups, and you see why. Well, he, he won two cups for them. I mean, at one point, you know, he had he won a cup once. I he got that, that second despite cup. him. Mm, I mean, he won him at least two. Kind of despite him. 
That was kind of despite him. Mm, well, in my opinion, and in, ask the Penguin fans. They like him. At, did the Penguins maybe have enough offense around Crosby? Maybe, you know, Balkan was not always healthy. Crosby had his concussions for, for a little while. Let me just end it like this, right? You'll get to the last team in a second. Let me just end it like this. When Flory's time to leave Pittsburgh came up and he actually went and played for another team, did the city of Pittsburgh really give a damn? And then when, uh, even though he won them two cups, and then when it was Henrik Lundqvist's time to leave New York City, how did we treat him when he came back as a capital? The same way that Eddie, when Eddie Jockerman came back to the garden from when he was waived by the Rangers in 1976. Of course, the Rangers fans have then chanted Eddie. We chant Henrik now of Henrik Lundquist. Yep. But, you know, I'm curious. I'm very curious when Henrik is back and playing in the Capitals uniform that he signed with. I'm curious what the reaction is going to be for Henrik with a full crowd in the garden and how he will be received. And I wonder if they'll pull the same tactic they did with jo- like with Jockman. If the Rangers score on their old goalie, will they actually boo the Rangers? Will the Rangers be booed as their own home with by their own home crowd? I actually perfect. think so. I actually think so. It's tradition. History repeats itself. It's All tradition. Right. Let's go to the next series. Back to the East, the Lightning and the Florida Panthers, the Battle of Florida, if you will. And that's been a another interesting series. I again, the Lightning looked like they were in control of this. Florida came back though. Big win for Florida. They did win a, an overtime game. A couple, I think in game three, it was very key, very important for the Florida Panthers to extend this series a little bit more. Jonathan Huberto, a very key piece to what the Florida Panthers do, but the Lightning are the defending champions for a very, very big reason. They're battle tested. They have just as much prolific scoring and offense as do the Penguins, as did the Capitals, but they have goaltending. And they have a good system with Coach Cooper, and they know how to back, and they just know how to score when you need to, and how to shut the opposition down. They've been here; they've been to this road before. So, my opinion: this series will probably end in six games tomorrow night when the Lightning go back on the ice against Florida. Should be very important. The next series it's tied at two apiece: the Florida, the Carolina Hurricanes, and the Nashville Predators. Predators won a very big game the other night in double overtime. These Predators, again, they've been to the Stanley Cup Finals as well. They know what it takes to get here. Nashville has become a very big hockey town over the last couple of years. Carolina, still a very prolific team, very powerful offense, and Rob Brindamore knows a thing or two about winning a cup. He won a cup back when he was captain of the Hurricanes back in 2005. So it's been a very long time, but the Hurricanes have not forgotten that road and still – the winner of game five, I think, is going to win this whole series. That's how that's how big the game five is going to be. Yeah, because it takes, especially if the Hurricanes win game five, it takes them, it gives them momentum going back on their Rangers home ice. Rangers saw what Carolina was capable of doing last year. Rangers saw if the Hurricanes win game five, I'd say it's game over. I'd say um, if the Predators win game five, it's still a series because you're still going back to Carolina. However, yeah. if the Hurricanes win game five. Yeah. You're That's dealing with just... a very dangerous Hurricanes team with Sebastian Ajo leading the way in this. And then on their home ice, score. you're done. Yeah, this team can score. They know uh-huh. how to, they, they, they now are more seasoned. And then finally, we have the series started a little bit late, but it's now going into the fourth game. 
the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens. The Maple Leafs are up two games to one. That series could turn on a dime very quickly as well. If the Maple Leafs take game four, though, yeah, then I think the series is over. Agreed. Have too, um, have too much offense on the on the Maple Leafs with Austin Matthews and with Mitch Marner. It's a very dangerous duo that this Leafs team has. They're two of the best scorers in the league and assisting the puck as well. They take this fourth game tonight. I think this series is over for Montreal. The Canadians scratched and called that we didn't Harry Price can only do so much for you. Carey Price can only stop how many shots? Yep. He's been in this stage. The Canadians have not won a cup in over 20 years. The Canadians literally regarded the best franchise in the history of hockey. 24 by a lot of people. Cups they have won in the NHL. They are the New York Yankees in terms of the NHL. They are. But um, here's the thing. Even the Yankees went through a period of 30 years where they didn't win a cup, where they fell short of expectations, where we didn't expect them to win. When they got into the playoffs, we were shocked. When they would get into uh, – when they actually win playoff series, we were shocked. A couple of years ago, Montreal looked like a very, very big favorite to win a cup. Now, the last couple of years – Seems their fan base is happy to just even get into the postseason. Their last Stanley Cup was 1993. We're in 2021. The so, year yeah. before the Rangers won. Exactly. Their last so we are almost 30 years now since Montreal's won a cup. When we come back, guys, we have an MLB top 10. Right after this. And we're back to downtown sports. I am the mouth of the South, John Schiavone. Along with my co-host, the beast of the East, Jonathan Periente. We got an MLB top 10 to get to from our researcher, Tony Mainville, the first beast. Where can they hear us? We can be heard on 13 different platforms. We're on Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Bullhorn, Podday, Listen Notes, and Podcast Addict. 13 different platforms, rants, episodes, digital market battle specials every Tuesday, Wednesday. We are downtown sports. We are where sports come home. So, MLB Top 10. This is, well, um, different. It's different, really. Very different. We will start off with number 10. Your, your, your favorite. Your buddies, your pals over in Houston, the twenty, the Houston Astros. Tony had the balls to put them at number 10? Number 10. Well, here's the thing. They uh, got swept over the weekend. Why are they here? By the lowly Rangers. Why are they here? Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, that might be why Altuve, Bregman, Brentley, Guriel, and Alvarez are all hitting over 300. And, uh, well, this week, the Houston Astros might end up being 500 by the end of the week because they're going to have to play uh, two games with the Dodgers and three games with the uh, Padres. I believe they're facing Kershaw tonight. Ooh. That's not going to be a friendly matchup. It's going to give you every reason to hate them. Let's keep it going. Number nine, the St. Louis Cardinals, who uh, had a crappy performance against the Cubs over the weekend, losing two out of three to them. Mm -hmm. Although... Arenado is still the man. 10 home runs, 32 RBIs. Jack Flaherty is still undefeated. Yeah. 2.53 ERA, 8-0 start. He is looking 
like he is one of the top Cy Young contenders along with Jacob deGrom in the National League. Number eight on this list, the Chicago White Sox, who are still in first place despite getting swept by the Yankees, despite having issues with managers calling out players saying, we're going to punish them within the family. Within the family, first There's off, been a lot um, of debate with that. There's been a lot of debate with that. I've got some points. I've got some ideas. Please. I'll give you. I'll give Please you some. Sure. First off, we're gonna punish him within our own family. That's like imagine you're you're a child, right? You're you're one of our younger listeners. Maybe you have children yourself. Maybe your parents. You know, you have young kids. I hope you wouldn't do this. Could you imagine if you like failed a test or disobeyed your parent or something and then your parent went in front of the world and said to a press conference, well, little Johnny messed up and got a D on his test today and um, we're going to punish him within the family, but um, everything's going to be okay. And we're going to get that taken care of and uh, we know that respect for the game and Respect for our grades and uh, having good grades is going to be great. You know, uh, you, what you saw <laughs> that whole instance was literally, literally, I can bring another, I can bring two other teams that had a similar instance with situation, maybe infighting within the clubhouse or whatever. And you see how differently it got swept to the, under the rug compared to the other side. Mm-hmm. You had Tony LaRusso go public about Yerman Mercedes that told him specifically, Blowout game, you don't swing on a 3-0 pitch. By the way, a rookie who's been carrying you, a rookie. This isn't like some veteran player that's like 31 getting paid 20 million. He's a 28-year-old rookie. He's a rookie. He's a rookie. He's not a a six-year vet in the league with a rep yet. Yeah, but then you saw the difference. Then look what happened with the Phillies when Gene Segura and Joe Girardi went at it. Joe Girardi refused to discuss what happened between him and Segura to the media. As much yeah. as the media in Philly was peppering him with a question, please bring it out. When you look at the Chicago media, you look at the Philly media, they're both, they're, they're really both no different. Both of them are very competitive markets to play. But Chicago's you see how market Girardi three, Philly is market, Chicago's market three, Philly's market six. Well, still, I mean, like, when you play in Philadelphia, when you play in Just Chicago and you make headlines there, it's not, well, it's not like New York. It's big city news. Big it city. really is. No, it is sort of like New York. It's big city news, especially Chicago. Mm-hmm. Especially Chicago. That's the number one city in, the, mid, you know in long, the middle part of this country. And you know how long LaRusa managed in St. Louis, which is a small market city, doesn't have this type of media attention to others. Nope. And now he comes back to Chicago after how many years? Not to mention, you know, did LaRusa do a few little things? Uh, I mean, he shouldn't have been doing, and yeah. he's calling out one of his own players for something, you know, eh, did I really have to go to the You world play to win the like game. That? I'm sorry. You play to win the game. And let me tell you something. You don't, swing, you don't swing. You don't swing when uh, you're up by 10 runs down 3-0. Well, what if that team came back and posted 11 runs in the bottom of that inning, and Mercedes swung 3-0, hit that home run, he didn't do that, and then you lost that game by a run. How would you feel then? Telling your players to hold off. This is Major League Baseball. You cannot hold up for a swing, for a pitch, for an You've out, for a seen, second. We have seen batters swing at, at 3-0 pitches, regardless if it was a blowout or not. And you, you remember what uh, – this is kind of funny because Trevor Bauer 
kind of said this comment, you know, about pitchers who were some pitchers were maybe being uh, a little angry about being showed up because a guy homered off them and, and exuberantly celebrated. But Bauer doesn't have a problem with that. But other pitchers seem to have a problem with that. I agree. And you can have Hatties all the problems. off him twice. You can have all the problems with it you want. Let me just explain one thing about sports now. Back in the day when Tony La Russa and Major League Baseball had these unwritten rules about you don't do that up 3-0 or whatever, and that's unsportsmanlike, that was back when they were making like, you know, maybe forty to $50,000 a year and had to work regular jobs when they went home. Um, we're talking 60s, 70s, 80s type baseball. That is when they weren't millionaires. These people are now not just millionaires, multi-millionaires, a lot of them. A lot of them are multimillionaires now. And if they're not multimillionaires, they're getting paid at least $500,000 as your major league minimum salary. Swing the bat. Let the kids play. Remember Swing that? the bat. They're getting paid enough. Swing the bat. And a lot of teammates, again, a lot of, uh, a lot of teammates took the side of Mercedes. A lot of them were not very sold on La Russa there. So I wonder if that could be a sign. Could La Russa be shown the door down the road if they drop out of first and stay dropped out of first for about a month or so yes he's out next is the san francisco giants wow who just got out. done getting broomed out of their own stadium by the dodgers by the dodgers dodgers showed you who they are ladies and gentlemen this west goes through the dodgers not through the giants nope the dodgers are the world champs for a reason and you they saw came that in rated the best team in baseball for a reason. You saw how real the rivalry was when Bauer got taken out of the game and the fans were letting him hear it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, bring it on. He was, he, he was doing a Vince McMahon strut off the mound. It was hilarious to watch. You should watch the video of Bauer getting off the mound. Just go on YouTube. It's up there. Plenty of people have it. Watch that. It's hilarious. Buster Posey's still hitting 355. And uh, by the way, starting on Thursday, the rivalry continues. Giants versus Dodgers. Oh boy, but this time it'll this be time, in LA. In LA. Four-game oh series. I could tell you from experience, um, I was at a Dodgers-Giants game. I literally was in San Francisco a few years ago, and I Oh, yeah, that rivalry, man, it's real. Kershaw and Bumgarner, I went to that matchup. I went specifically for that game. I saw Bumgarner homer off Kershaw, and the whole giant stadium went nuts to see that. My God. It's like whenever Pedro got a hit. It's like whenever Pedro got a hit at Shea. It was hilarious. how real the rivalry was. I saw Dodger fans. Wearing their old Brooklyn Dodgers uniforms. Some of the Giant fans were wearing their old New York Giant uniforms. That shows you the rivalry, the, just how far and how deep back it goes, man. Yep. Number six. Don't forget it. Next. Number six, we got to keep on this list. And yeah. we're going to stay in the state of California. And in fact, we're not even going to go that far. Just right across the bridge over to Oakland for the Athletics. Yeah, Oakland has been good. Who won their series against the Angels. Olsen, 12 home runs, 28 RBIs. Yusamara Petit seems to just be doing very 24 appearances, 2.42 ERA, and 6-0 from the bullpen. 
Ace could have swept that series, actually, had it not been for the Angels coming back in that last game, coming back to win 6-5. But otherwise, yeah, the A's, the A's have been a dangerous and very, very prolific offense. They're, very they're the class of the West. Right now, they're the class of the West. They're showing that they're offensively on par with the Astros. I know. They're ahead of Houston, if I'm not mistaken. They moved ahead of the Strohs for now. They are. But, but they're also showing that their bullpen is a lot more stable than the Strohs. Maybe the Strohs have a better starting arms, but they still have some pieces in that pen that are missing. And I'm still not quite sold yet on Oakland's on some of Oakland's relievers. I'm still not quite there. But you're not sold on Yusamara Petit yet? Oh, After six and oh, two point four two ERA, you're not sold yet. Petit is fine. I have no problem with Petit. I have no problem with Sean Manaya. But some of the back end, Jake Diekman, uh, I'm not sold on. Okay. Uh Lou Trevino, uh here and there, but I'm not sold on yet. The the Oakland A's, again, they, they go on this good roll, but when it comes to the playoffs, where are the Oakland A's in the playoffs? Well, luckily the same th- for them, this ain't the playoffs yet. This is the regular year, and they're number six. Well, Here's the team that's going to throw you all for a loop, number five. Five, what we got? The Boston Red Sox, who uh, okay. took two out of three from Philly over the weekend. Devers has forty, almost 40 RBIs, 13 home runs. Uh, Nick Pavetta is still undefeated. Pretty incredible. Although his ERA is pretty high, three point five nine. Not terrible. That's that's pitcher. respectable. That's a respectable. For an undefeated pitcher, it should be much lower, which really shows you that it's the Boston offense carrying. Well, these ERA is a little bit. Yavaldi's ERA went up a is up a smidge. Yeah. I mean, the pen is okay. It's not. Eh, it's not like uh, lights out though. That's that's what I think the Red Sox still don't have. They don't have a lights out pen. They have a good pen, but it's not a bullpen that. Guaranteed you're going to throw up a zero. You're not going to want to face their bullpen. Yep. And here's here's something that really upsets me. Mm-hmm. Number four, the New York Yankees. First off, they should not be ahead of Boston in this list right now. They should not be ahead. Uh, John. Okay, hold on. Let me stop you. Okay. They should be ahead Yankees, of Boston in this list. The Yankees pitching compared to Boston is night and day better. Understood. Yankees but the uh, Red Sox bats compared to the Yankees bats have been night and day better. You know what? Pitching can stop good hitting. Understood. Hitting is a great, hitting is a great thing to have. Look, I know Glaber finally is hitting. I know he's finally hitting. But unfortunately, all those uh, RBIs are coming off of just one home run. Yeah, Cole's 6-2, 1. 1.81 ERA. That's great. Um, you're still waiting on Severino to come back. Okay, that's a that's gonna be an added bonus right now. Look at okay, let me let me go back a little bit in time here with the Yankees here. I'm going back to that. I team. mean, I love Kluber. Great job that, on the no-hitter, but I uh, go back what about his other starts? I want to go back to the 10-game road trip because that's a very important note right now. Going back from that second game of the Texas series, right? Okay, mm-hmm. Yankees won that game eight four. Yeah, yeah. Okay. From Corey Kluber's no hitter, uh-huh. 35 consecutive innings. Yankee starters have not given up a run. Excellent work. And they did that not only against a crap Texas team, uh-huh. you did it against the White Sox three times. After they've been embroiled in a team scandal and everybody and their mother. You had Jose Abreu in the lineup. You had Mercedes in the lineup. You had all the main bats. Okay, Louis Robert's hurt. Whatever. Whatever. That's not whatever. 
okay, Louis Robert is a big loss, but still, you have that's a, a that's a huge loss. You still had you still have enough offense. You had yes, you had Mercedes who uh, now is trigger happy to swing the bat because he's his coach just yelled at him. He's still hitting three fifty, and he's still hitting pretty consistent after a crap weekend. Well, shows you he can bounce back from it. Good. But going back to my point with the White Sox, they still have a lot of dangerous bats in that lineup, even without a Robert there and Abreu came back. He made an impact in the series, but you can't tell me that you can't tell me that they weren't distracted, John. They still they came back to score a run off Chapman. He'd never given up a run until that game, right? Yeah. The bullpen got a little bit touched in that series with the White Sox. They were touched yeah. up the but the starter. So why are the Yankees ahead of uh, Boston here? Because their starting rotation is much more consistent right now. But Boston's offense is a lot more consistent. Garrett Cole, right now. guaranteed, you get seven innings out of Cole when he's on. Name me the Yankee with thirty RBIs or more. At least close to that, Aaron Judge right now has got twenty-five. Name me the Yankee with okay twenty-five. That's great. Name me the Yankee with who's close to forty RBIs. Yankees offense got off to a slow start. And then uh, Stanton, John Stanton got hurt again. Yeah, they're expecting him back uh, during the series with the Blue Jays. Now, here's the other thing that really upsets me, because as much as I don't think the Yankees should be ahead of Boston, I don't think the Dodgers at number three should be ahead of either the Yankees or the Red Sox. Why are the Dodgers at three? Well, because they did just sweep the Giants. Uh, Okay. You know, uh, they've won seven straight. Julio, Julio Orias is uh, seven and one with a 3.03 ERA. Very good. But uh, their offense isn't, isn't like, you know, making me feel so good about myself. Uh, their, offense Dodgers. Been, their offense in, in stretches have given them five, six, seven runs a game. I mean, look at Muncy is leading the team with 10 home runs and 25 RBIs. Where's okay. Mookie Betts? Where's Turner? Where are these big L.A. bats? The big L.A. bats have been in the presence of Will Smith. Uh, guys like Gavin Lux. You know, that's the great thing of what the Dodgers have. It doesn't have to be two or three hitters leading your lineup when you have other pieces in that lineup that can pick the others up. Truth, but that doesn't, but depth doesn't make you the number three team when your stars aren't producing. That, that, that's just my opinion. Look, the Dodgers are going to straighten things out. They're going to get their pieces back. They're all going to start hitting on all cylinders. We are entering the month of June. This is where baseball they should starts still to- not be number three on this list. And then the Rays should not be. And the Rays should not be number two on this list, but they are. Why should they not be two? Um, Why shouldn't they be two? two? Because you really rank uh, the Rays ahead of both the Yankees and the Red Sox. Right now, the Rays are the hottest team in the game right now. They've won 11 games in a row. I mean, good job. Rosarina's doing great. Three home runs, eight RBIs in his last uh, seven games. The Rays have have been even more dangerous now since G-Man Choi returned. So. Tells you how big of a piece he was in that lineup when he wasn't there. Mm. The Rays simply were a different team without Choi. And now with him, look how much better he made that whole lineup. You have a three-way tie practically with the Yankees in third place with uh, the Red Sox and Rays tied for first pretty much. Right now, the 
the Red Sox, the Rays right now, I believe, moved ahead of Boston by just a half of a game. Okay, the so the Rays are on top. The Rays, and the Red Sox up. were off last night. The Red Sox were idle last night. Okay. So both the Yanks and Red Sox are a half a game out of first. Yankees place. are a game out of first. Boston's game. a half game Boston's out. Boston's a half game. But look how close it is. So, ex- okay, so fine, fine. But then Yankees, I still don't no, understand no, the, the Red Sox over the, the, the Yankees, Yankees over have, the Red Sox. The Yankees will have the race coming up immediately following their next series. So that the, the, the Rays are coming to Yankees. By the way, by good. the way, the Yankees did well against the Rays their first time out. This year. That, that road trip was big, winning two out of three. Yes, it was. was Number one team, and I think it's kind of obvious at this point, this is the okay. one place where Tony got it right on, I believe. Please, who we got? The San Diego Padres, who are yeah. probably the best team in baseball. They hold the best record in the National League. Fernando Tatis Jr. has finally gotten up off his butt and did what he's supposed to do. Um, look at that game on Sunday against the Rockies. Three, they've three, already three, done well six the RBIs. They've done well against the Dodgers. You Darvish, by the way, is also challenging Jacob DeGrom for his uh, Cy Young title. Five and one, 1.75 ERA. You Darvish looks like when he burst onto the scene in the majors of over 10 years ago. Well, I'm happy to say that DeGrom shall be back in the rotation today. In fact, he's back right now is Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. And it's very important that he came, that he's back when he is. Where are the first place in the National League East New York Mets? Yeah, but, you know, they have like uh, seven, ten, like eight tenths of their lineup out. Uh, like half the lineup's hurt. And uh, by the way, even, even one, yeah, even a, a couple of their new call-ups got hurt now. Uh, Genesui Vargas out now. He's on the I.L. Amazing. By the way, shouts to shouts to my boy Wes Hager, who is a director who I worked with. Um, his little brother happens Jake to Hager. be New York Met Jake Hager, who not, had not the AEW his, wrestler, not the AEW wrestler Jake Hager, not the AEW wrestler Jake Hager. By the way, shouts to Jake Hager, the AEW wrestler who I drove circle. around when he was a part of MLW. But um. So yes, I know both JK, both important Jake Hagers in the world. I know of one and I know the other. But um, yeah, shouts to shouts to you, Wes, and the Hager family. It's good for you guys that your little brother got called up. And shouts to Jake. You got hopefully you got a big future with the team. Uh, we'll ask Wayne Rendazzo about you next time we get him on. We're gonna find out. But shouts to the Hager family. Congratulations on Jake coming up. The Mets are gonna have to get their game in gear here because now. They lost two out of three over this weekend to the Marlins. Unacceptable. Came back to win one game. Okay, fine. At least it wasn't a sweep out. You lose 3-1 the other night. You couldn't touch the Rockies last night. And now here we are again. Now you have DeGrom on the mound. You better win this game if you're the Mets with DeGrom going. Because, again, the Met rotation, the Met lineup is in shambles right now. Let me just say this. Please. Francisco Lindor. Other than Jason Bay, I think where's, other where's than James Jason McCann? Bay. Hold on, where's wait. James McCann, ben? Wait, 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 wait. Forget all that. Forget all that. Because the big guy was Lindor. We yeah. just signed him to a $341 million contract over 10 years. We're paying him $34 million. So if you actually take the money that Jason Bay made, equate his start with uh, Lindor's start, go by the stats and the money made. Actually, Francisco Lindor, in terms of money spent on him, has made the least return of investment on any Mets trade 
big Mets acquisition that we've ever seen. This is worse than Roberto Alomar. This is worse than Jason Bay. This is worse than when Mike Piazza first got traded to the Mets and Mets fans were wondering, why did we trade for him when we had Todd Hunley? This is worse than when Carlos Beltran first showed up to the team and hit 212 for the first half of the year with three home runs and 20 RBIs. You are paying Lindor. $340 $340 million for 194, one and nine. And by the way, his defense has been, has been sloppy too, considering that he's the glove. Been, his defense has been fine. I'm not worried about the defense. His bat though needs to wake up. Yes, it does. It has and to just, up. and just to give everybody before we go to break, the Mets schedule coming up is not easier. I know, but one second, Beast. One second. I just need to Please. I just need to do something. We're getting to that month with the Mets where they don't play their best baseball. It's June. Yeah. This is the month that usually sinks the Mets. Let's just end the segment on this, right? Mm-hmm. Amen Rosario this year. Mm-hmm. 248. Two home runs, 11 RBIs, 18 runs scored, this is with the four Indians. stolen bases. This is with uh, the Indians. Yep. 137 at-bats. Okay. 34 hits. Mm. His slugging, his uh, on-base percentage is 309. Slugging, 372. OPS is 681. Okay. And now I'm just going to look up just really quickly. I'm scared if Lindor's is actually lower than that of Ahmed Rosario, as far as all those numbers you just said. Let, let, let's just take a look. 148 at-bats, 28 hits. By the way, 0.0, a 0.2 war, quote-unquote. This is with Rosario or Lindor? This is Rosario. Rosario, okay. No, 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 this, this is now Lindor. This is not Lindor, okay. This Rosario. is now Francisco Lindor that I'm speaking about. Now, here's Lindor. What do we got? 148 at bats, 28 hits, three home runs, 189, nine RBIs, 19 runs scored, three stolen bases, on base percentage and slugging percentage both underneath 300 for an OPS of 572. On base percentage, 295, slugging percentage, 277. That sounds awful. This is literally, he literally is about 60 points below Ahmed Rosario and OPS. That's scary. He's about 30, he's about 30 lower in slugging and about 30 lower in on-base percentage. It shows me that I don't think he's capable of carrying a team by himself. He needed it shows me to do it for him. It shows me that we needed to wait that little bit. When he came back with $341 million, I would have said, well, there's other shortstops out there. But we needed to make that splash. But the Mets did it in the same old way. Everybody's praising Mr. Cohen for signing Francisco Lindor you gave up prospects to get him and then sign the contract 
instead of just going into free agency and making a splash by signing a guy like George Springer, that would have, uh, you know, just cost you money. No, it cost you prospects too. And uh, the other big part of that return was supposed to be Carrasco. And um, I still don't know when he's coming back. Do you beast? Possibly June, July, possibly Syndergaard could be back by June. Carrasco is going and starting to look like the new Jed Lowry, where we don't know when he's coming back, when he's coming back, when he's coming back, when he's coming back. He's 34, Carrasco. He ain't young anymore. On top of that, J.D. Davis getting close, but again, still have to wait a little bit longer with J.D. Davis. Seth Lugo is still a little bit a ways away. So They're still in first. The Mets are playing, though, a very critical 17 consecutive games. They're in the middle of a 17-game stretch without a day off. Yep. And right now, this they're going to – and after this homestand, which, by the way, includes Atlanta coming in after the Rockies, Mets have to go on the West Coast. Arizona, San Diego, those are not going to be easy games, particularly San Diego. Not at all. But you know what? Still, they're not on this list, and I don't know why. When we come back, we got an NBA four-piece combo. Back after this. And we're back to downtown sports. I'm the beast of the East, Jonathan Pariente, along with my co-host, the mouth of the South, John Schiavone. And we now dive into the third and final piece of our podcast today. And I think it's an apropos. It's a return of a four-piece, a Mm four-course dinner all rolled into one. It's a four-piece combo, playoff edition four-piece combo. So, ladies and gents, this is not your typical leg and thigh, mac and cheese with a biscuit and a drink type four-piece combo. Oh, no, 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 no. This is your chicken and ribs with sticky rice and a and, and, and like a bun. You know those honey buns they give you at a barbecue mm. with the honey butter? Oh, man. This is this is your four piece springtime barbecue course. So the only side dish that goes with a four piece like this, right, is your corn on the cob. It's juicy, it's succulent, it's buttery. What series is that nice bite of corn on the cob? Mm. All right, let's pick a small one. Let's see a nice small little series that can jump out. All right, let's start with the very first one, the battle of one versus eight. The Sixers and the Wizards. That's a good little opening appetizer to kick things off. Uh, So far, every series has been through one game so far, at least right now. Mm -hmm. A lot of things to kind of unpack. The Wizards-Sixers series has been very interesting. Honestly, I wasn't sure if the Wizards in the first game even had a chance. But they hung with the Sixers, only lost by seven. And you kind of wonder, as you looked at that series, particularly with the Sixers, did Ben Simmons really show you that he can be the guy in this series? Maybe he's the not really the leading scorer. Maybe we thought he was. Maybe it's not. Or maybe Russell Westbrook is still the man and everybody is disrespecting him. Him and Bradley Beal have been the reason the Wizards even got here. Yep. Period. 
had to win two playing games to make it. Yes, including they did. the Pacers, which was not an easy journey for them. Not at all. Here they are. They stand on this stage. Now, even though they lost that first game, you 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 saw you scored 118 points on this Sixers defense. Yes, you did. Even with Joel Embiid. I think that doesn't give the Wizards a little bit of hope, maybe a little confidence that sooner or later we can crack the Sixers defense and get on a little roll and the Sixers could be in a little trouble. The Sixers need to sweep this series for their own confidence level, especially when they're going to be looking to go against teams like the Nets, go against teams like the Knicks. That is one of especially the Knicks are going to be their second round opponent if they happen to go through Atlanta. We'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. But um. The one thing, the reason I like this game is the corn and the cob as the nice, sweet game is because we get we, we, we get a nice little sweet bite because you get to see Beal. You get to see Russell Westbrook in the playoffs again. You get to see those two play really, really well. It's not as if they were, uh, you know, shut out in that first game that both players didn't play well. They were, they were scoring. They were hitting on all cylinders, but... I think the Sixers team is better. So it's a nice little uh, appetizer to get your uh, get your palate wet for the real games that are coming forth. But now here's the other real thing that nice. We need to get because this is a two meat combo that nice bite of barbecued chicken, man. That's what we need What that barbecue chicken game, that real leg and thigh. That's got to come with this barbecue four-piece combo. Slather it all up in that barbecue sauce. Rich, juicy, delicious. What series is that beast? Ooh, let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one in the East. I think we'll go a little further down on this one. The Bucks and the Heat. And how interesting has that series become? Three versus six. And right now, the Miami Heat, unlike last year when they blew the Bucks away, they're down 0-2. And the shoes on the other foot. They lost 132 to 98 last night. Do you know what that was? That was Giannis. That was Holiday. That was that entire revamped Bucks lineup looking at the world and saying, we're not taking this lightly like we used to. That was what I call a statement win. Game one was a close battle, something that we thought that we expected. Game two was something that we did not expect. We did not expect that Eric Spolster coach team, a coach like Spolster with all the championship credentials that he has to send a team out there and literally just lay an egg the way Miami did. How about giving up 46 points in the first quarter? Unreal. Being outscored by 26 in the first quarter. That set the whole stage for the rest of the game. Yep. And that's why this is that nice, juicy bite of chicken. Because you know what? The Bucks are giving you something to chew on. But it's nice and easy. And it goes down. And it you finish it kind of quickly. And you just, you're left wanting more after that series. So you know what you need in between the two proteins? A nice, sticky bun that comes with that barbecue meal to dr- Get up all that barbecue sauce that you left on your plates. What is that nice series, John? Let's go down. Let's go down to the West Coast for that. Mm-hmm. The Lakers and the Phoenix Suns. Yes. What a series that's been. My goodness. And what did, a series that's going to be. You something. Did game one show you something about the Phoenix Suns and how they took it to the Lakers with LeBron and AD there? 
Did game one show you something about how Chris Paul ain't playing this time around? And he got hit. And again, he got hurt in this game, but he came back. And, the and by the way, he later hurting on LeBron right back. Remember, LeBron was on the ground for about a couple of minutes after uh, that eye poke by Paul. Did that maybe light a fire under the suns? Did it show that LeBron is vulnerable? Oh. Yes. Well, Monty Williams has done a tremendous job with this Suns team, and we've seen the Suns and how much better they've gone as the year moved. Devin Booker, one of the youngest stars in this game, first playoff game, he put up 30, over 30 points against the Lakers. DeAndre Ayton, Bridges, this young crew under Monty Williams has become one of the most dangerous teams in the Western Conference. Yep. Let me just say this. That two, seven and one and eight. Those those series in the Western Conference, those are not easy series, guys. Not at all. Not one bit. And here's why. Here's why. It's because of the fact that the teams that are matched up had seasons that you really didn't expect. You expected a Memphis Grizzly team to be a fifth or sixth seed in the West. You expected the Lakers to be a one seed. Well, the Grizzlies Instead, got you have the Suns at one, the Jazz at two, and you have the Lakers at seven and the Grizzlies at eight. The Grizzlies almost didn't even make the postseason. And their road to getting here was not easy. Not at all. They had to go through a game Golden State Warriors team. Yep. And they just took game one from the Jazz the other night and but mind you, Donovan Mitchell didn't play that first game, and now he's back. Now Donovan Mitchell's back. But at what percent? Well, Mitchell was pretty upset that he didn't play game one. He felt like he was ready. Felt like he was A game, ready to go. He's been out for a good while, and you know he's chomping at the bit to get back on that court. Yep. Let's get to the last part of this four-piece combo. I think that I That big slab from St. Louis style barbecue baby back ribs, that full rack of ribs, man. And you know what that series is? The Hawks and the Knicks. And the Knicks. How appropriate. Game one. If game Madison one Square you, Garden. Game one told you anything about where this series is heading. We I don't think it's told you a damn thing about where this series is. We're going to see a classic series is what we're going to be seeing, ladies and gents. On the edge of your seat, you started to, you really started now to see the Knicks, particularly the young Knicks, embracing the stage of the of Madison Square Garden. You know how long some of these kids were dying to see fans and how long they were dying to play in a playoff game. And What's incredible is how much better the bench played throughout that first game and still only lost by two points. They started Alfred Payton and then abandoned Alfred Payton with 20 minutes left to go in the game. You never saw him again. You just saw quickly Toppin and Rose. Because, never saw Payton. Because Tom Thibodeau didn't like something that Alfred Payton did in that game, which was hanging his head after he blew a layup attempt and didn't bother to make the effort to defend on the next possession. Agreed. And you know what? A lot of fans in Atlanta and Knicks fans and people in New York. Uh, I know you really probably don't care about what people in Atlanta think, but you should because they have lots of things to say about your team and you. Um, 
basically after this game, all I saw on message boards was T T T T T T Tom Thibodeau team, typical Thibodeau team, typical Thibodeau team, paper tiger in the regular year, all tired out by the playoffs. They're all run down. Look at Julius Randle in game one. They played him so many minutes. He's so tired. Atlanta Hawk fans for weeks before this series were begging for the Knicks. They didn't want to see Miami. They didn't want to see Boston. No, they wanted us. You know why they wanted us? Because they felt that with our coach and with our roster, that we didn't have enough talent to hang with them. Despite the fact that we beat them three out of three meetings this year in the regular year, they didn't care about that because, you know, the Atlanta Hawks spent a lot of money to get their star players. They, they, they signed Trey young to this massive contract and they expect him to be like uh Steph Curry version 2.0, like the, the lesser version that sort of does the same thing for them that Curry does for the Warriors. And they still think that they could go out and win this series. And by the way, even with Julius Randle having a bad game, they're saying, oh, no, this is just typical. Randle can't handle the big time. He can't handle the spotlight. First of can't all, do this. Can't, 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 what, can't, can't. What money did the Knicks spend? The Knicks didn't spend ridiculous money. Exactly. They built this team with a young group. Couple of we built this team with with people that everyone else thought was crap. Look at Reggie Bullock. Did anyone believe in him? No. Taj Gibson. Did anybody believe in him? No. Derek Rose. Does anyone on God's green earth believe in him besides Tom Thibodeau before this year? No. Erlen Noel. Payton. No. Noel. No. Obi Toppin. He even showed you something in a playoff game, even though he could have played a lot more minutes in my book. And I hope Thibodeau gives that a serious consideration for game number two. But I'll look at it this way. I'll look at it this way. Okay. I, for one, did not like the actions of Trey Young. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to hear that, does he? He doesn't. He, he wants to shush the MSG crowd, right? I'll tell you this. I hope the Knicks in this next game knock Young on his rear end. Yes. Me too. I better see the 90s Knicks a little bit in this one. And mm -hmm. I better see them get this 22-year-old arrogant little star a little bit of a reality check. I want the 27-year-old Julius Randle who's been through basically the NBA version of the ringer who was uh, released unceremoniously because LeBron James didn't deem him worthy enough to play next to him. I want to see the Julius Randle that had a fire in his belly. Chip on his shoulder. This Julius Randle looked like he felt he belonged here. Well, he said it himself. I've got to play better. I hope he does play better. I really hope so. Because I've seen when Julius plays better. If Julius Randle plays better, R.J. Barrett plays better because R.J. Barrett plays very well off of Julius Randle because Julius Randle can activate anything from 15 foot out to the perimeter, including the paint, 
But R.J. Barrett inside the paint is a monster. He can drive to the hoop. He's got a good left hand drive. He could pull up and shoot from 15 feet. He's also got a decent three-point shot, but he can drive it to the hoop better than anybody else on the team. He has to not be afraid to give others the ball either. There are too many times where Randall just tries to do it all himself. There are too many times where Randall's taking the last shot. That should not be happening here. Alec Burks could have knocked down that three. Knicks could have won the game, perhaps. Julius Randle is your star. Julius Randle does get the ball. Here's the thing with Julius Randle, though. He has to not let the moment shrink him. He has to rise to meet the moment. Now we're going to figure out who's really star potential on this Knicks team and who isn't. And do you know what? Even if they lose this first-round series, this is all stuff that we did not expect. This is all stuff that we did not think was going to happen. Key ingredient now. If you're the Knicks, and I think Atlanta better be paying close attention. Tom Thibodeau now knows your every move. Mm-hmm. That's what makes Thibodeau a defensive mind. Yes, one game is all he needs to see. This is how now we got to stop Trey Young. The minute Trey Young did all his little scoring moves, now he better bottle up the Nick defense to contain Trey Young. Can I just say one thing? Please, as we wrap it up. The Hawks won the first quarter, and that's it the Knicks outscored the Hawks in every other quarter but the first so for three out of four quarters the Knicks beat the Hawks if quarter one didn't happen where they were down by five it would have been ahead that would have been about a seven point win if you count the rest of the point total so for an entire fan base in Atlanta who paid a lot of money just to just to play game one of your postseason in Madison Square Garden at the home court of the lowly New York Knicks. Just just trying to give Atlanta fans some perspective before they keep yapping on before their team loses this series. But this game, too, is a big one. If you're the Knicks, they need to win game two. They have to. They, have to. they must win game two. And with that, that is time. And with that, we are going to wrap up downtown sports. I would like to thank our researcher, Tony Mayville. He did give us the MLB top 10. We also like to thank Crystal Large for that beautiful, succulent barbecue four-piece combo. And Beast, tomorrow, um, you want to listen this week because we're going to be dropping this. We're going to have... Brian Hoke on the show. It might either be Beast and Hoke, me, Beast and Hoke. You never know what's going to happen. But Brian Hoke is going to be coming on our show. And he's going to be talking about his brand new book called Bronx Zoom. It will be available in stores starting in June. But he gave us the uh, advanced copy of uh, Bronx Zoom gave it to us and uh said we want you i want you to read through this and i want to talk about this on downtown sports so digital market battle ad free edition featuring brian hope coming up this week but you want to know something right you want to know where you can hear all of that where can they hear that interview interviews with others rants shows all of the stuff that we do on downtown sports. Where can they hear us? We're on 13 platforms on Anchor, Raker, 
Spotify, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Cats, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Bullhorn, PodBay, Listen Notes, and Podcast Addict. 13 different platforms, rants, episodes, and all digital market battle specials. We are Downtown Sports, and we are where sports come home. For the mouth of the South, John Schiavone, I'm the beast of the East, Jonathan Pariente, saying goodbye. Rap. Thanks for listening.